This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Faye Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. First offense. All the mix. Okay, party people in the house. You're about to witness something you've never witnessed before. Yeah, hustle in the house. Yeah, hustle in the house. What is going on, everybody? I'm Rob Fame. Welcome to Sports Bar Radio. It is the 10th day of May, and I hope this finds you well, whatever you're doing. In Vancouver, it is a beautiful day after what seems to be an endless amount of rain. Uh, I'll tell you what. I always think of minor league baseball's Vancouver Canadians when I think of these showers that have dipped into May for the simple fact that that schedule that used to start in the middle of June now seeping its way back into April and May. They've had a bunch of rainouts. How about this? The Vancouver Canadians, not to lead with them, but uh, have six games in four days that they have to play to make up with some of the inclement weather, I think they call it, around this region. We're going to get into baseball. We're going to talk some football, basketball, hockey, all sports, because this is Sports Bar Radio. When you go into the pub, you don't know what you're going to be talking about until you get there, but we will have an opportunity to touch on everything. It's kind of going to feel like the old days of Sports Bar Radio over the next couple of weeks, as now we're into the offseason if you're a Vancouver Canucks fan. And the question is, how long will it be before we get to the offseason for the Calgary Flames, the Edmonton Oilers, and dare we say, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Getting to the NHL. We've scoured the globe for the stories that matter to you. Okay, well, let's be honest. Rob picks most of the stories, so maybe they matter more to him? Anyways, pull up a chair and let our bartender pour you a cold one because there's a lot going on in your world today. Which of those three Canadian teams that I just mentioned, Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, is facing the most pressure? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Because realistically, Calgary had a fantastic regular season, maybe even exceeded some expectations, although they were near the top of the totem pole for the better part of the campaign. Edmonton, with two of the greatest players in the NHL, facing the music as well. And, well, Toronto, we know all about Toronto. I don't know if you can singularly say that there is one team that is clearly above the other two. Toronto, we know that they just cannot seem to get out of the first round. It's a foregone conclusion at this point that when Toronto finishes the regular season that you could set the egg timer before something happens when it comes to the first round. I have long said that if they get past that first round, watch out. For Vancouver Canuck fans... It is a very slay the dragon time for the Toronto Maple Leafs. If they can somehow find a way to get past Tampa in what is now a best of three series, then I say all bets are off. And yes, you could say whatever you want about their goaltending. You could say whatever you want about the speed of John Tavares and what they should have done with that money had they not gone out and gotten the former New York Islander. But at the same time right now, if they can somehow find a way to quote-unquote slay their own dragon then I got to think that maybe that is the monkey off the back that they need to finally make a run. The Edmonton Oilers. I mean, what more can you say? Mike Smith, an affable goaltender. They do have two of, if not the best two players in the NHL, and you can debate that till you're blue in the face, and that's fine with me. That's what you do in a sports bar. But realistically, if you are Connor McDavid and you are in your prime, and you are with an organization that isn't built for long-term success, that they are built for the regular season but can't get past, say, the first round, what do you do? Do you start to look and see if the grass is greener on the other side? And if you're an Oilers fan, that's some pressure. You have arguably the best player in the game, and you can't get past the first round. 
that is troublesome because eventually Connor McDavid is going to want to find a way to hoist that Stanley Cup, even if it's not with the Edmonton Oilers. Again, I'm not saying that I've talked to him, but you got to think that you don't want to waste a career away with an organization that is not built for playoff success. And finally, the Calgary Flames. They've got the one thing that Toronto and Edmonton wish that they had, and that is an alpha in between the pipes. There's no doubt about it that Jacob Markstrom is ready to make a run here in the postseason. The only problem is that as good as Calgary is, now that you're starting to play teams for not just one-offs, got to remember, you get a six-game, seven-game series, the opposition finds a lot of ways to make that adjustment to try and take you on and somehow stop your strengths. We know that Calgary can run a gun. One of the best teams over 82 games that we've seen all season. But all of a sudden, they run into a team that just knows how to slow them down in the Dallas Stars. Dallas is doing one thing that I think a lot of teams couldn't do in the regular season, and that is stop Calgary in the neutral zone. That is what has made the Flames such a tough out all season long is because they can move the puck. Boy, they can beat you in so many different ways. Johnny Goudreau, uh, this is a team that was, uh, what do they say, built for the playoffs, and yet... It's the first-round opponent, the Dallas Stars, that are doing some damage right now and making this a series when many thought that it wouldn't be a series. I know Vancouver Canuck fans are sitting back saying, man, if we could have gotten into this playoff series and dare we say take on the Calgary Flames that we could have done what Dallas is doing. I'm not sure you could have. Dallas is built for this because Dallas realizes that they don't have two to three lines that can score and they can't get into a run-and-gun series with the Flames because they're going to get blown out of the barn. But that said, if they make the adjustment to be that molasses-thick team that can somehow find a way to slow down the Flames, then anything is possible. And that is what we are seeing right now in the NHL postseason. So that's where we're at right now. All three Canadian teams, I don't want to say any of them have their backs up against the proverbial wall, but there's no doubt at this point, none of those three look like a foregone conclusion to advance to the second round. Could we do it again, Canada? Could we do it again when we get to the second round and there are no playoff teams to be spoken of? North of the 49th parallel, I think it'd be troublesome. Later tonight, Toronto and Tampa Bay. That series is tied at two. Games around the NHL as well, including Boston and Carolina. That series is tied at two. St. Louis and Minnesota are tied at two. And the late one also tied at two. Sees the Kings and Edmonton doing the dance. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and madmen. Okay, so now that we've touched on some of the pressure points with these three Canadian teams, let's get into the actual matchups because all four games between Tampa Bay and Toronto have featured, I guess you would say, lopsided victories. Tampa was awesome in Game 4. They scored seven goals on the Toronto Maple Leafs, did so at home, and now we're back in Toronto getting ready for Game 5 a little later this afternoon. Now, if you look at Vegas and all the numbers that come forward, they always say that Game 5 is the biggest game of the series. This is usually where you decide who's going to win a series that goes, dare we say, six or seven games. If Tampa Bay can steal Game 5 on the road, then they've got an opportunity to go back home and close this one out. And the numbers when Tampa Bay is at home, staggeringly good. And it doesn't matter if it's Toronto or any other team in the NHL. One thing that Tampa did really well in Game 4 that they're going to try to do again is set the tone early. They had a goal in the first minute of the first period in Game 4, and that got things rocking. 
for Toronto. What do they have to do? They have to get things going, and they have to remain physical. Even though they took a couple of penalties early on in this series, they can't stop because the reality is, is if Toronto is going to slow down the high-octane offense, and I mean the ultra-high-octane offense of Tampa Bay, they've got to keep the body going. And as well, in Game 4, it was a minus 3 for both Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Their big guns are going to have to step up in this one. If you're an over-under guy, you want to take the over. It is 6-1 in their past 7 meetings, and Toronto is also 6-1 in their last 7 home games. So expect this one to be high. High scoring. Expect Toronto to come away with what I'm going to call a 5-4 victory over Tampa tonight. I know I am grimacing as I say it, but I still got to believe that the Buds have a little more gas in the tank. Let's check in on that Los Angeles Edmonton series, which again could go 6 or 7. Moneyline right now has Edmonton at minus 220. Over under in this one is 6.5 and, and most of the money in Vegas is going with the over at 62%. But can the Los Angeles Kings duplicate what they did in Game 4? King shutting out Edmonton 4-0. Jonathan Quick with his first playoff shutout since, get this, 2014. They're going to need more of the same if they want to win this series. Jonathan Quick was awesome in Game 4. He's going to have to do the same in Game 5. How about this? In the team's last five wins against Edmonton, the Oilers were held to one goal or none in four of those meetings. Two of those were shutouts. And yeah, I know that's a lot to ask for from Jonathan Quick, but it can happen. The Kings also outshot the Edmonton Oilers, which would have been uh, sacrilege to think about heading into this playoff series. But the Kings are starting to find out the Oilers' weaknesses. Now, what does Edmonton have to do? Well, they just got to find a way to get past Jonathan Quick. They scored four goals or more in five of their last six victories over Los Angeles, and that's really the sweet spot. If they can get to four, chances are they're going to find their way to a victory. But if you're tanking Edmonton to win this game, you got to think that they've got to outshoot Los Angeles. Four of their last six wins in this series have been decided by two goals or more going all the way back to 2020 if you want to even dip your toe into the regular season. And in all of those games, Edmonton outshot Los Angeles. Here's some numbers for you. Los Angeles peaking at the right time. They're 7-3 and three in their past 10 and if you want to be a betting person here's where you want to put your money. Edmonton is 15-2 and 15-2 in their past 17 home games. That's where the money might be tonight. Okay, a bunch of series in the NHL that are tied at two. Let's go from the ice to the hardwood and check in on the National Basketball Association's postseason where before we even saw the first tip-off, I said you better watch out for Golden State. And I'll tell you what, the Warriors are making me look like a modern-day Kreskin. No one understands what I'm talking about. Two games tonight in the association, Philadelphia and Miami, where the 76ers look to have found their stride. And man, I'll tell you what, if you can get Joel Embiid, if you can get James Harden and everybody firing in all cylinders, this could be a very formidable foe coming out of the Eastern Conference. Now, Heat opened up as three and a half point favorites. The over-under in this game is 210. And Miami, by the way, if you are a betting person, you can see where I'm going with this one, is a perfect 8-0 in their last eight games at FTX Arena. And they've also gone 7-1 in their last eight meetings against Philadelphia. If you're looking for the home team, this might be your best bet. But if you want to bet on a player to dictate how this series is going to go, James Harden is the story in this one. In game four, 31 points, nine assists. He helps the Sixers tie the series at 2-2 back on Sunday. Joel Embiid had 24 points and 11 boards. And again, 76ers with a convincing victory, 116-108 
which makes it a best of three. Now, what do the Heat have to do? They've been so good with their defense all season long. They averaged under 105 points per game. That put them the third best defense in the association. But that number in the playoffs has been awesome. Less than 100, 99.7, second to only Milwaukee. So if the Heat can find a way to get that defense going again against Philadelphia, like they did in the first three games of the series, they should be able to regain the series lead. Sixers just got to get the big guns going. And if they go to the bench, they got to get something from Tobias Harris and, dare we say, Tyrese Maxey. If they can get Embiid and Harden going off again, I don't know how the Heat stop them. So again, it comes down to that red thick marker circling one name as we get ready for Game 5. That is James Harden. As Harden goes, so too do the 76ers. And if Harden is going, this one could be over in six games. To the Western Conference, where at the beginning of the year, I thought that this might be the Phoenix Suns you know, season of happiness to finally find their way to the top of the totem pole. Golden State will have something to say about that, but the Dallas Mavericks try to find a way to slow down the Suns. Phoenix opens as a five and a half point favorite in game five, and the total is pretty steady, opening up at 213. But if you want to make some quick money here, the under is eight and four in Phoenix's last 12 games against Dallas. Now, we know that the Suns have been the best team in the NBA all season, but they hadn't really been pushed to the wall. This is the first time the entire calendar year that the Phoenix Suns are going to try to find their way out of the corner. Extremely tough to beat when they're at their best, and this should be where Phoenix rises to the occasion later tonight. And here's why. Devin Booker scored 35 points in Phoenix's loss to Dallas in Game 4, so he's ready to rock. The only problem is he was the only Suns player that had over 15 points. So it's going to be interesting to see if Dallas is able to uh, continue their defensive wizardry against a team in Phoenix that has been so good all year long. Now, Phoenix is 4-0 straight up. They're 4-0 against a spread in their previous four postseason games against Dallas, which includes those two losses, but they enter Tuesday night's game with a 36-10 straight-up record and a 63-16 straight-up record as the favorite. What does that mean? Robbie, just get to the point. It means they are a 75-80% to 80% guaranteed money lock when they are the betting favorite. And again, Phoenix comes in tonight as a five-and-a-half-point favorite despite losing Game 4 to the Mavericks. All right, so almost 30 games into the Major League Baseball season as we switch over to the Diamond right now. Toronto coming out of one of their toughest months in franchise history. Four games back of the Yankees with a 17-13 and 13 record. We're going to get back to the Blue Jays in a second. But I would say when you look at their schedule that was packed with the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Astros, the fact that they come out playing 567 baseball makes me feel that brighter days are ahead for a Toronto team that should be competitive heading in to the month of May or to the middle of May. But who is the most surprising team of anybody in Major League Baseball? Is it the Mets that are 20 and 10 and have a six game lead on Atlanta and a six and a half game lead on both Miami and Philadelphia? I would say that the Mets are up there with the best of them. But if you ask me of any team that I have seen over the last couple of years that has been destined for greatness, that has fallen short, that might have finally found some traction. It is the Angels of Los Angeles who lead Houston by just a lone game in the American League West but are playing fantastic baseball 6-4 and four in their past 10. Winners are two in a row, but boy, is their pitching staff nasty. And it's more than just Shohei Otani. They went off in the offseason and really tried to solidify their rotation, including 
former Vancouver Canadian Noah Syndergaard. Yes, Syndergaard, who's battled injuries for the past two to three years in fine form, knock on wood, coming into his next start with a record of 3-1, but more impressively, an ERA of 2.45, an average velocity of 97 miles an hour, a couple of miles off the average fastball, but he is now pitching like a true bonafide starter and not just a guy that's trying to put a hole in the back of your chest. He's got 21 strikeouts and 29 innings of work. He doesn't have that overpowering stuff, but enough that he's competitive. And the other thing that he's enjoying, he's getting some run support. So, all right, let's go back to Toronto now. Toronto Blue Jays again 17 and 13 through their first month of the season in one of the toughest divisions of baseball. Uh, four and six in their past 10. After a fantastic start to the season that had him at the top of the American League East, this is going to be an absolute dogfight all the way through. You got the Yankees in first place, three games better than Tampa, who's really surprised me because you got to remember they emptied the cupboards and yet are still competitive right now, and Toronto is in the mix. Another team that is surprising me a little bit is Boston, but not for a good reason. Red Sox right now coming into their game tonight, losers of five in a row, last in the American League East, yes, behind even Baltimore at 10 and 19 and trying to figure out just how they're going to be able to get out of this spin. What's the problem, you ask, with the Red Sox? Well, they're having trouble scoring runs, and they're having trouble winning one-run games. Those are two things that you got to do. That's a part of the reason that Toronto's in the mix right now. There's 17 victories. Five of those are wins in the eighth or ninth inning, and it just seems like right now Boston can't seem to get it going. And all of a sudden, uh, right now, dead last in the East. They've got the Atlanta Braves. It's not going to be easy taking on a team right now in Atlanta that, despite their slow start, still has great pitch. Still has great offense. Two teams that could probably find one more gear. And the question is, oh, and by the way, another thing that Boston is not doing well is putting the bat on the ball. Ninth in all of Major League Baseball when it comes to strikeouts. And that is a problem. Averaging nearly eight per game. The only solace they could take is a team that they're playing right now in the Atlanta Braves recording more than nine strikeouts a game. So this could be a pitcher's delight as both Atlanta and Boston struggling offensively. Okay, from baseball to the gridiron, Canadian Football League style. Yes, CFL and the Canadian uh, Football League's Player Association. Uh, some news, a little bit of movement right now. As they resume their contract talks, looking for a new collective bargaining agreement. They're going to try to get back to the table tomorrow. Uh, news coming from TSN's Farhan Lalji that says the CFL will table a new offer tomorrow to the union, and it will be the first meeting between these two sides since last Thursday when the Players Association rejected a league proposal for a new 10-year deal that had no salary cap increases and also eliminated the Canadian ratio. Canadian training camp scheduled to open this coming Sunday. Blue Bombers take it on the Rough Riders on May the 23rd. That's when we finally get some exhibition game action. And for you locally, i got a question for you. You haven't heard much from the BC Lions this offseason. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing right now? I understand why it might be a thing. Let me explain. You've got Amar Doman, who's the new owner. And not only is he inheriting a new team that has struggled on the field and, of course, got to rejig things behind the scenes, but you've also got an unstable Canadian Football League where we're not sure what the new CBA is going to uh, entail. So maybe it has been a blessing in disguise that instead of making false promises to the masses that they're simply in a we'll wait and see. Got to remember, CFL players gave their union a 95% strike vote just last week. 
and the Canadian Football League's Players Association did in fact call for a work stoppage on Sunday that not all teams could participate in immediately as the provincial labor laws differ across Canada. But what does this mean? It means that if they don't get something ratified or they don't get something organized, if they don't get something done before that current CBA expires, there could be no football in the CFL heading into the season. Another reason that maybe the BC Lions are a little quieter than usual. And finally, did want to actually circle back to baseball. This one necessarily this one isn't necessarily on the field, but minor league baseball and major league baseball have found a settlement to a lawsuit alleging that teams violated minimum wage laws. In terms of the settlement, not filed, but it happened a little bit earlier today. Uh, quote this one coming from lawyers for those players saying, We are pleased to report that the parties have reached a settlement in principle over this eight-year-old case. It was back in 2014 when Aaron Seen, who was a 10th round pick from the Miami Marlins back in 2009, retired in 2013 and said that he wasn't even making minimum wage. And because he was in a state where you had to get to minimum wage, he ended up taking Major League Baseball to court. He said that minor leaguers should be paid for travel time to road games in both the California League and the Arizona and Florida League. This case went to a district court in the U.S. back in 2019 and finally has found its way to a conclusion. I would like to hope that minor league baseball players get paid for spring training, which includes their accommodation, and that they get paid in the offseason because minor league baseball is a year-round position. Hard to believe that they were only getting paid in season and that there were so many moments where you would assume a baseball player was getting paid, but they in fact were not. So I'm glad to see that this went through and hopefully, even though it's just a settlement, it leads to bigger changes uh, at the minor league level in years to come. All right, that wraps it up. Your edition of Sports Bar Radio. What a thrill to be back with you in this capacity. Hopefully you got the up to speed. What we talk? A little baseball, a little basketball, some hockey, some football. Your one-stop shop for everything sports is right here. Sports Bar Radio, two, three, four times a day. Check in, get you up to date. If you're just doing your commute, we try to package it in around 20 minutes to make sure that it is not overbearing. Uh, we'll have some guests for you in the next couple of days, but more than anything, just a chance to get you caught up in everything that is going on in the world of sports. I want to say special thanks to Chris Perry from our very good friends at Equity Guru, to Galen in the background making things happen as well. I also want to thank you for keeping us top of mind you subscribe we pop up you listen we keep those ratings high those rankings high and we will keep this sports bar radio moving forward until you and i get back together in just a couple of days time i'm rob fain you've been listening to sports bar radio presented to you by equity guru have yourself a great afternoon